welcome back to It's an Inside Job podcast. I'm your host, Jason Lim. Now, this podcast is dedicated to helping you to help yourself and others to become more mentally and emotionally resilient so you can be better at bouncing back from life's inevitable setbacks. Now, on It's an Inside Job, we decode the science and stories of resilience into practical advice, skills, and strategies that you can use to impact your life and those around you. Now, with that said, let's slip into the stream. Well, welcome back to a new week and a new Monday, a fresh Monday. I just want to say a big thank you for those of you who show up every week to listen to my ramblings, to my musings, and (laughs) I, I really appreciate it. Well, this week, I want to talk about overthinking again. Now, it's been a while since I've touched base specifically on overthinking, but these overthinking narratives way back in episode three, which doesn't seem so long ago, but which is a bit of a stretch now, I talked about the imposter syndrome. Well, this week, what I want to address is the second narrative. There's a number of narratives, but we'll come back to them. But this week is the second narrative, and that is our fear of failure. And I want to talk to him about it because, you know, sometimes it shows up as a small thing, but sometimes that fear of failure, well, it can prevent us from moving forward, from developing, from growing, from taking that chance to take ourselves to the next level. But the question is, is the fear of failure so strong? And for many of us, it is, can be crippling. It can be crippling what other people think. We don't want to seem incompetent. We don't want to feel that sense of not striving forward, that it's uh, some level of confirmation of who we are if we fail. And so, I mean, all of these are legitimate concerns. They're all legitimate reasons why we prevent ourselves from going forward. But they're not legitimate as in the sense of that, yes, this is the truth. They're legitimate concerns that we need to address. But a lot of the times they're based on false assumptions about ourselves, about our ability to move forward. And fear of failure is about understanding our relationship to learning. So this week, I want to talk about overthinking, but the narrative of the fear of failure. But I want to put it into context of fear of regret. Well, I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, I've tried to keep it as pragmatic and practical as possible. But anyways, let's slip into the stream. From my experience, the fear of failure is one of the biggest hurdles we set in front of ourselves. Unfortunately, this irrational fear can prevent us from achieving our potential. The fear of failure stands in the present, but our gaze is towards the future. As a result, our minds feel worst-case scenarios that could play out if we commit to action. We fear the consequences of crossing bridges, and we don't even know if those bridges actually exist. Then there's the fear of regret when we look back at our past and we can't fathom why we never took the chance. Why didn't I tell someone how I felt? Why didn't I not go on the trip? Why didn't I do it when I had the chance? Why didn't I spend more time with my kids? Why didn't I call my parents more often? A feeling of melancholy can be felt fermenting in our guts, realizing that the sands of time have drained from the hourglass and we are powerless to turn the glass on its head. 
What sinks in is that we saw the sand drain and we honestly thought there would be always time, more time. It's only in hindsight that we are honest with ourselves when the time has passed, never to return. We ignore the tiny voice in our heads that continuously whispered, Seize the day. Take the chance. Now it's your time. The question I propose to you all, dear listeners, is which is the worse, the fear of failure or the fear of regret? The end of days. Bronnie Ware, she is an Australian nurse who worked many years in palliative care, who wrote the book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. She collected the stories of regret of the people at the end of their days. She had asked these patients about their regrets and if there was anything different they would have done if they could rewind the clock. And the thing is, she discovered there were several common themes she explored in her book. Bronnie Ware wrote, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. This was the most common regret of all, when people realize that their life is almost over and look back clearly. It is easy to see how many dreams have gone unfulfilled. Most people had not even honored half of their dreams and had to die knowing that it was due to choices they had made or not made. Health brings a freedom very realized until they no longer have it. The second theme. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. This came from every male patient that I'd nursed. They missed their children's youth and their partner's companionship. Women also spoke of this regret. But as most were from an older generation, many of the female patients had not been breadwinners. All men I'd nursed deeply regretted spending so much of their lives on the treadmill of a work existence. The third theme. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Many people suppress their feelings to keep peace with others. As a result, they settled for a mediocre existence and never became who they were truly capable of becoming. Many developed illnesses relating to the bitterness and the resentment they carried as a result. The fourth theme. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. Often they would not truly realize the full benefit of old friends until their dying weeks. It was not always possible to track them down. Many had become so caught up in their own lives that they had let golden friendships slip by over the years. Many deep regrets about not giving friendships the time and effort they deserved. Everyone misses their friends when they're dying. And Bronnie's final theme. I wish that I had let myself be happier. This is a surprisingly common one. Many did not realize until the end that happiness is a choice. They had stayed stuck in old patterns and habits. The so-called comfort of familiarity overflowed into their emotions, as well as the physical lives. Fear of change had them pretending to others and themselves that they were content, when deep within, they longed to laugh properly and have silliness in their life again. Now, there are several ways of interpreting this book. One way is to see it as depressing and sad. Another way, well, it's to see it as a wake-up call to take a sobering look at where we are in life. Another is to see what lessons to take on board and to actively apply to our lives. Like many things in life, we actively choose the meaning we want to give to something, and that meaning dictates our future thoughts, emotions, behavior, and our actions. Facing adversity and uncertainty takes a certain degree of resilience and tenacity. From my experience and with the experience from my clients, I know that this is never easy, but it does get easier the more we do it. Now, the emotion of fear. 
There is nothing wrong with fear. On the contrary, it is an emotion that heightens our senses and sharpens our attention. All emotions serve to alert us to our relationship with our present circumstances, our surroundings. Either all is good, or maybe we need to address something. Fear only becomes problematic when we fail to address what is frightening us. Conversely, fear can become crippling when we choose to bury them instead of confronting them. The fear of failure. Now, in Carol Dweck's mind-changing book, which is called Mindset, The New Technology of Success, she describes how failure affects people who don't believe they can learn from their mistakes. Dweck explains how this kind of fixed mindset could lead to a single failure appearing worse. Such individuals see themselves as finished products rather than works in progress. Yet, people with growth mindsets perceive such setbacks as opportunity to advance and develop. If we are afraid to try, the only way to overcome that fear is to take action. Fear grows within our minds and becomes a, becomes a regret if we don't take action. People living with fear of failure tend to be dealing with more profound anxieties, which is the fear of experiencing a diminished sense of self-worth. This feeling can linger for a lifetime and can flare up in times when we face uncertainty or the unknown. Yet, while failure can be so detrimental to some, it can also motivate others. Many of the world's most admired experience failures before accomplishing incredible feats. Many successful people prosper due to their failures, not despite of them. These individuals understand that setbacks are inevitable, but they provide opportunities to learn and grow. They interpret setbacks as stepping stones to success. Now, the only way to fail is to lose the hunger and give up the striving. People permit themselves to fail without fear of punishment. They learn to embrace the struggle, which is a pivotal part that allows us or them or whoever to succeed. Now, embracing the struggle is something I dive deeper in episode seven. Now, perceived failures are signs that we need to learn more about ourselves. But in the end, failing at something could be the best thing that ever happens to us. Fear extinguishes far more dream than failure ever will. Yet using our brain's innate abilities makes it possible for us to break through a never-ending cycle of negativity and to learn to embrace defeat rather than to run from it. The fear of regret. Remember, regret is harder on the mind than failure. Failure is only temporary. Regret is forever. Now, dictionaries define regret as feeling sad, repentant, or disappointed over something that has happened or is being done, especially if it's a sense of loss or a missed opportunity. So therefore, the regret I want to focus on in uh, in this episode is the sense of lost and missed opportunity. Now, many of us follow the script and tell ourselves that the clock is on our side. We believe we have ample time to do what we want or need to do and still find the time for everything we ought to do. As it often plays out, the things we ought to do typically fall to the wayside and we blame our schedule or circumstances for not having the time or resources to do it. Now ask yourself, how often you say, I've got just too much to do to do that today? Well, if you're like most human beings, you've probably fallen um, fallen into this pitfall. Now, the most significant difference between failure versus regret is that the one offers you a second chance. Failure, it means you can try again. In addition, that pain that arises from failure is only temporary and it does fade with time. 
Regret, on the other hand, is much more substantial. And that pain that is caused by regret, well, it can plague us till the end of our days. Now, the puzzling aspect of this is that we tend to be more afraid of failure than we are of regret. Now, if this is the case, we have our fear priorities in the wrong order. Sorry to say that. The reason regret comes after fear is that we think we have time. We keep telling ourselves, there is a tomorrow. I can get to it on the weekend. I can get and do that next year. Whatever that script is playing in your head, check it. Now, no one I know likes to fail or the feeling of failure, but what makes a difference is how we respond post-failure. Now, some of us choose to learn from the experience and move forward. Other of us allow the failure to manifest into a gross fear that we learn to avoid at all costs. Now, if we choose the latter over the former and continue to fear failure, regret will eventually be the outcome. Failures teach us lessons. Regrets cause us pain. Regret is worse than failure because we can't do anything about what we regret. Indeed, we might get new opportunities to make different choices, but the past is still the past. It's gone forever. On the other hand, failure has the potential for different outcomes. We can choose to learn or we can choose to dwell. But in the end, we still know something. We still learn something. We grow and we develop from that knowledge and that experience. So now what I'd like to do is shift the conversation towards tools. How can we reframe how we define and give meaning to both fear of failure and fear of regret? Now, whenever we stretch ourselves in a new direction, whether it is learning a new skill or making decisions to move forward into an uncertain future, mistakes, miscalculations, and mishaps will happen to some degree. They are part of the landscape. We know this from a rational perspective, but this is not where the challenge really lies. You know, it's all about the emotional acceptance. That's what usually trips us up. Now, even if we recognize mistakes can happen, it is all too easy for us to succumb to our inner critic and avoid disappointment. We tend to bend the knee to the fear of failure and avoid committing to action. Well, if we want to change how we think about success and failure, we must reverse negative thought patterns. Personally, I need to consciously change my relationship with failure and regret. And I use the skill of active awareness. Now, I speak more about this. You can go back to episode 10 where I do a a deeper dive into active awareness. The most effective method to transform fear into regret is to befriend our future self, to make friends with that person that we will become in the future. I know that my future self will be powerless to affect my current reality. It's only my present self that can actually affect change at this moment, in the here and now, in the present. So... I take the perspective of my future self, which gives my present self the mandate to strategically and tactically commit to action, knowing well enough that my current self cannot plan for every contingency or conclusion. Now, because hindsight, well, that's only the privilege of that's granted to my future self. I know all too well that the fear of regret of what ifs and inaction will always trump my fear of failure. Now, what I'd like to do is give you three particular skills. Now, these skills are just ways of reframing it so you put regret 
in front of failure. And don't let failure hinder you from taking the actions to do the things that you want to do. Skill one, pain is only temporary. Now, I frame pain of my current situation from a future perspective, from my future self. This allows me to read any struggle and discomfort as temporary. Now, if I only fixate my perspective from my present self, it can feel like the distress and the strain might be too much for me to bear in the here and now, in this very moment. And that anxious mind that it triggers, well, it tends to exaggerate the problems and the pain and categorize it as a chronic instead of what it actually is. The pain of failure is acute and short-lived. I'll get over it. I will live. Now, a second and equally powerful reframing is what I call the long game versus the short game. Now, I will do a deeper dive into this particular skill, into this particular reframing in a later episode. But for now, what I want to just to clarify the simplicity of it is that focusing more on the short game and less time on the long game helps me to engage with my current situation. The long game perspective focuses my attention on where I need to or want to end up. The short game, well, it's about keeping my attention on the actions I need to take in the here and now. The long game perspective is essential to ensure that I have the correct orientation and I'm heading in the right direction. And that's critical, of course. But if I keep my attention here too long, it can harm my motivation. Why is that? Why can it kill my motivation? Well, because I might still have a long way to go, I can get overwhelmed by everything out of my control and influence. I can fall into this vicious cycle of ruminating. You know, we've talked about this multiple times, whereby I fixate on all the things that are I still have to do, that I, I get caught up in the anxiety of all the things that could go wrong and the distance I still need to strive before I cross that finishing line. Well, as a countermeasure to this, to all this potential destructive rumination, (laughs) we're all too familiar with this, where I do is I focus on the short game. I ask ask myself questions like, what can I do to take action? How can I influence the situation? What do I control? What is the first thing I can do right now? Let me use an example to elaborate. You know, like on Saturday and Sunday mornings, I like to go for long runs, which are between 15 to 20 Ks. Now, however, some mornings I wake up and I'm not as recharged as I would like because my sleep was restless for whatever reason. Now, on those mornings, the prospects of grinding 20 Ks can seem overly daunting. That is focusing on the long game. I'm just focusing on 20 kilometers. At least for me, 20 kilometers running seems like a far distance when my energy is very low. And if I keep my attention on the long game, on finishing 20 kilometers, it's going to completely tank my motivation. So what do I do? Well, instead, I choose to shift my view to the short game. Why? Because it's realistic, immediate, and achievable actions that I can execute on. So, for example, the immediate goal for me in my head when I, when I get up in the morning is, okay, run 1,000 meters. And once I've crossed that threshold, I focus on the next 1,000 meters. And before I know it, I found my mojo and I'm already halfway through my run. Skill three is focusing on the gains and not on the lack. Now, I use the perspective tool when I'm struggling in the present. For instance, tailoring a comprehensive leadership program for a client can feel overwhelming when I look forward and see how much I still need to put together before I'm completed. Now, my focus is on what I lack 
and this can be completely demoralizing. Instead, what I do is I choose to look over my shoulder to see how much I've already accomplished. I acknowledge what I've managed to do and I've, how far I've actually traversed down this road. I'm fully aware that the road is still long and I still have a, a vast distance to cover, but knowing how far I've come and the milestone, the milestone sorry, I've reached, well, that instills my mindset to embrace the struggle, to move into the struggle. Now, these are just three ways of reframing. There are multiple ways, and you might have something that you can share. But just in conclusion, our default tension will tend to focus on the fear of failure in the immediate moment. The fear of regret usually takes a backseat to failure because it's a feeling we don't need to deal with in the here and now at this particular moment. That is something that will affect us in the future. The fear of failure is more immediate. It's more primal. Most of us only relate with ourselves in the present and seldom, seldom connect with ourselves in the future. Yet befriending our future selves can inspire us and ignite us to take action in the here and now because at the end of our days, it is regret that is the poison and not the failure. You know, when we consider the fear of failure and the fear of regret, it can seem like an intellectual exercise. But after reading Bronnie Ware's book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying, which I will include the link in the show notes, it hits home how, how important it is to reassess and prioritize those fears because we all fear both regret and failure. But remember, failure is something that we can deal with. Regret. Well, that lingers and lingers and never goes away. And hopefully with time, we don't regret it so much, but it may always be there. And so now, after listening to this episode, after you're considering this intellectual exercise, maybe you move it on to make it a real world, real life exercise, something to address in your present moment. Maybe spend time more with your kids. Maybe spend more time with your girlfriend, your spouse. Maybe enjoy your hobbies more. Get out to nature. Go for a run. Enjoy that glass of wine. Savor it and just don't gulp it down. Go out and break bread with friends and with family. Enjoy the time that you have because we all know the clock is ticking. And that's none of us are going to get out of this game alive. So I hope you found that this episode rings true to some level for you about this overthinking narrative that the fear of failure, maybe that's something we need to work with and put to a side. But again, thank you for joining me this week and joining me for yet another episode. As I usually ask, please like, please share, and please subscribe. The most important, please share because we get the message out there. If we address our priorities of fears, this is, well, it helps contribute to resilience. Well, until next week, keep well, keep strong, and we'll speak soon.